That's a great song. I feel like I don't need to preach anything after that. And I might not have the voice to do it anyway, so. Well, what a, what a joy to be able to contemplate the words of that song and the sure reality that um, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And uh, then to consider the fact that one day in the near future, the rapture will occur and Jesus will call all of those who are dead in Christ up first, then we which are alive and remain will meet them in the air, meet the Lord in the air, and so forever be with the Lord. As these are good, great reminders for us. It gives us courage, gives us strength. It should warm your heart this evening. Uh, I know many of you were touched by that song, and I want to thank Les for, for singing that. I invite you to turn your Bibles uh, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to look at uh, verses 35 through 49 this evening. It'll be a bit of a survey. I've got about a half hour here, um, or as I said, as long as the voice holds out. Uh, there, there is a handout. If you um, don't have one of those, I think the ushers can grab them in the back for you. Or if you, if you need one, you can raise your hand and we'll make sure to get you uh, one of those. Uh, handouts can be helpful, so we've got some in the back there. So if you need a handout, just raise your hand and uh, they'll get you one of those. I think they got most of you on the way in. As we look at this text tonight, we um, come to a different section that defends the hope of a future bodily resurrection against skeptical questions that some of the Corinthians may have been asking. We've already seen that some of them denied a future bodily resurrection, uh, but in verse 35 in your Bible, we come to two questions I think that some of the Corinthians may have been asking the Apostle Paul. So look at verse 35 for a moment. It says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? I think what Paul does in this text is he uses these questions to organize his comments throughout the remaining parts of the chapter. In fact, if you have a handout, I've got a quote from a scholar that I agree with on this text. He's got a good little book. If, if you'd be interested in reading this, it's, it's just about 200 pages or so. It kind of takes you quickly through 1st and 2nd Corinthians. There are a few minor issues with the book, but I think overall it, it is really a helpful uh, portrayal of what's going on in 1st Corinthians especially. And he says, uh, Charles Talbert says this, he says, verses 35 through 58 consist of two questions followed by their Pauline answers in reverse order. The first question how are the dead raised, verse 35a, is answered by verses 50 through 57. The second question, with what kind of body do they come, is answered by verses 36 through 49. And so, as we come to this text this evening, I want to deal with Paul's answer to that second question. With what type of body are the dead raised? I want to suggest, again, that this was asked, this is a skeptical question that denies the validity of whether or not people could rise from the dead. As we come to this passage, we're going to examine Paul's answer about the nature of our future resurrected bodies. Have you ever wondered what our glorified bodies are going to be like? You know, um, will we be strong and powerful? I remember when uh, I was a child and I heard the pastor preach on a future glorified bodies and the whole sermon I kept thinking, man, that's going to be so cool. And the big question was in my mind is, are we going to be able to fly or maybe transport? 
It would just transport from one place to another in the blink of an eye. What are our future glorified bodies going to be, be like? Well, I think that this text is one of the, the best texts to help us wrestle with or deal with that question. And so look with me at verse 36. To begin to discover Paul's answer to this. I'm going to read verses 36 through 49. Paul says, You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for human, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Again, just a disclaimer this evening. I'm going to go quickly through here and try to survey it with you and try to see how Paul answers this question. What type of body are we going to have in heaven? I think Paul answers that question in basically two ways. Uh, So we've got two main points this evening. First, he answers it by using analogies. And secondly, he's going to use the scripture to answer that question for the skeptical Corinthians. So as he's using analogies or metaphors or illustrations here, the first analogy he gives is found in verses 36 through 38. It's the analogy of a seed to a plant. They call it the seed-to-plant analogy. Here he says the relationship between our present physical bodies and our future glorified bodies is like the relationship between a seed and the plant that it produces. Paul suggests here at the very beginning of verse 36 that the foolish Corinthians had the answer right in front of them in their garden or in their field whatever you would call it in the first century. Uh, His rebuke is very strong. It's kind of muted a bit by the ESV. He says, oh, foolish person. It's just really one word, fool, moron. You should have figured this out. And as he gives this illustration, this metaphor of the seed going into the ground, he says that it produces a new body when the, the crop is produced. Actually, he says here in the text that God is the one that gives it a new body. And I think that the point that he's making here is that the seed that goes into the ground goes in as a bare seed. It dies, I think metaphorically, you know, this is a great picture, right? It goes into the ground, under the ground. And then it produces a plant or a new plant shoots forth from the buried seed. 
I think this first illustration of a seed to a plant illustrates the relationship between our two bodies, our present physical earthly body and our future glorified body. And the way I would describe it, if you just want to write this down, um, I think that the relationship, someone asked me, are we going to be the same? Are we going to be similar? I mean, like, what is it? I would say, I use the words, it's, it'll be the same but different. It's the same, of the same substance, but different. Um, so he uses this seed to plant illustration to help us with that. God's going to take the same physical substance, and he's going to create a new glorified body from our present physical bodies. There's another place where I think Paul answers this question, the relationship between the two bodies. And, and for just a second, you know, if you're trying to answer this question, what, is, what does our future glorified bodies, what will they be like? There aren't a lot of places actually in the Bible to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here. And then if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5, I think you come to some of the best passages in all the Bible to answer this question. Unfortunately, I've got a lot of questions about our future glorified bodies, and not all of them have been answered. There'll be a few that I'll just have to figure out in heaven, or many I'll have to figure out in heaven. But go to 2 Corinthians 4 for a moment. And let me just show you another metaphor that Paul uses to describe the relationship between our present physical body and our future glorified bodies. In 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 16, Paul's talking about his own apostolic ministry. I think some of the Corinthians were claiming that he did not have the power of God upon his life because he was enduring great suffering and persecution. I mean, they would say persecution means defeat. Paul says, actually, my persecution means power. So as he's describing the key to how he does not lose heart, in verse 16, he says this. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outward, outer self is wasting away, physical body is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal, keep reading. If we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we will not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He has prepared us for this very thing as God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Here in 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5, I think Paul's basically answering the same question. What is the nature, or what is the relationship between our present physical body and our future body? And the imagery he uses here is of a tent. Our present physical body is transient. It's temporary. It's like living in a tent. Uh, but one day we will inherit an eternal building made by God. I think that that's a description of our future glorified bodies. Paul actually says it this way, while we are in this present physical tent, we groan. And we don't groan simply to be found without clothing. It's the illustration we use here. Uh, it's not like we just want to be bodiless, but we want to be, and I would translate it this way, we would be, we want to be clothed upon over our physical 
earthly body. And so there's this relationship that's a, a bit of a challenge for us to really consider and to know everything about it. I, th- I think we'll be the same, of the same substance, but different. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll work through that text a little bit more. So as Paul's trying to answer, what, what is the nature of the future bodies of those who are in the grave, who know Christ? He first uses a seed the plant illustration. Then he uses body analogies. He uses other analogies. In, in verses 30, verse 39, he talks about different earthly bodies that created beings have. Look, at, look in verse 39. For not all flesh, I take flesh here as to be roughly synonymous with body. For not all flesh is the same. But there's one kind of humans, another of animals, another of birds, and another of fish. Here Paul's suggesting that the glorified body, I think, can be different, different from our present body because God is good at giving different bodies to different beings according to the needs and the function of those, of those things. And so I think he's just using this illustration of humans, animals, birds, and fish to show you, you know what, God's got it in control. He can give different bodies to different things, and, and we will have a different body. It'll be the same but different. And, in heaven. Then in verses 40 and 41, he uses uh, the illustration of heavenly glories. Uh, Look at verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. (coughs) The glory of the heavenly is of one kind. The glory of the earthly is of another. There is a glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. Paul speaks of the various bodies of heavenly objects. Speaks of the glory of the sun, the moon, and the stars. He suggests that God gives different glories or different brilliances or different radiances of glory. And that even stars differ from from, uh, stars in their nature, the nature of their glory or of their body. And so Paul's just illustrating again the fact that there are different types of body. And uh, in verses 40 and 41, he uses these things. Then in verses 42 through 44, he draws some conclusions from the seed and the body analogies. Um, You can see this right at the beginning of verse 42. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. Paul's not just been going on and on about different earthly bodies, different physical bodies for, or uh, heavenly bodies for no reason. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. He said, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. Uh, And then what he does is he continues to go back and forth describing the nature of the differences between our present physical body, that's what's sown like a seed into the ground at death, and then the nature of our future glorified bodies, that that is what is raised. Okay, and so the the differences that he gives here uh, are, are pretty interesting. He says... Uh, The differences between these bodies include that our earthly bodies will be perishable. That means subject to decay. It's going to decay, subject to death. Present physical body is also dishonorable. I think that's because of the, the entrance of sin. It's nothing to be honored. It's weak, and it's natural. The word natural here basically means it's energized by our soul. It's energized by our soul. However, our future glorified bodies will be imperishable, not subject to death or decay. 
I think a good illustration of this, you could go to the book of Revelation and read about the future glorified bodies of, of millennial saints who will live for, and reign and rule with Christ for a thousand years. Which, uh, by the way, that's us. We'll be there with Christ. We'll, we'll reign and rule for a thousand years on this planet because we will have imperishable bodies. We will not die. Our bodies will not be subject to death or disease. Our bodies will be glorious, like heavenly bodies. We will be powerful. And then he also describes these bodies as being spiritual, spiritual body. Now, when he says spiritual body, he does not mean that our bodies will consist or be made up of the spirit or of spirit. I think he simply means that they'll be supernatural. They'll be energized by the spirit. If the natural body is energized by the soul, spiritual body is energized by the spirit of God. So, Paul uses these analogies, I think, to draw these conclusions and to portray the relationship between our bodies now and in heaven. As I said, for years and years, I've been using the phrase, our bodies will be the same but different. I was reading Murray Harris in his second Corinthians commentary this week, and he, he says it this way, there'll be identity with difference. Identity with difference, the relationship between the two bodies. So Paul uses these analogies, but then in verses 45 through 49, he uses scripture to answer the question, what will our future glorified bodies be like? Look at verse 45. It says, thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But uh, it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of death. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we bore in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So if you've ever wondered, you know, what is the nature of our future glorified bodies? What would it look like? What would it be like? I think Paul's answering here that question for the Corinthians from Scripture. If you look at verse 45, you have a quote from Genesis 2. In verse 7, it's a quote from the creation narrative. Paul, in answering this question for the Corinthians, said, the first Adam became a living being. It's a quote right from Genesis 2-7. And I think as, as Paul is answering this question, he has this verse in his mind. Matter of fact, the whole verse reads like this. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being or living creature. I think that in verse 45, Paul's not just alluding to the creation text in this part of the, the narrative or the comparison. It is true, at that moment, Adam came to life. However, in the next little phrase, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. I want to suggest that that's an allusion back to the same Old Testament text again. I haven't had a lot of time to really develop this much and to think through it. Uh, it's perplexed me for years, and I've looked at it several times. But I think that in that phrase, he might also be first alluding back to the Old Testament Scripture. He says, Jesus became a life-making or life-giving spirit. 
One of the interesting things to me here is in relationship between the Old and New Testament, I've seen this often, that there's a relationship between the words for spirit and the words for breath. It starts originally back in the Old Testament when the word for the Holy Spirit, ruach, is sometimes translated spirit and sometimes it's translated breath or wind. I think that what might be going on in this passage is that Paul is still within that text that talks about the Lord God forming man from the dust of the ground and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. He's basically suggesting that Christ will have that ability to breathe life into dead bodies. He will be a life-making spirit. First Adam came to life. The second Adam can produce life. But it's almost certainly an illusion that points forward as well. It points forward to the creative act of Jesus when he breathes life into dead bodies and he makes them alive again. And so the same creator God in three parts who created man out of the dust of the ground in the end can recollect the physical bodies of believers and breathe life into them through the power and the enablement the Spirit of God. And so then Paul continues in this text by suggesting that inheriting a spiritual body will occur after we are done with our natural bodies and that our future bodies will be in the image of Christ, the man from heaven. I love this description. I think that, you know, there's probably some good song that you could create about the man from heaven. Maybe there's already one. You can tell me later. I think if you were to ask Paul, what is our future glorified body going to be like? He says, like a seed to plant. It's like, you know, the different bodies uh, in this world, heavenly bodies, earthly bodies. But another way, I think perhaps even the clearest way he would give this is it'd be like the body of Jesus, the glorified body of Jesus, the first fruits of our resurrection. And uh, Paul knew exactly what the man of heaven now looks like. For on the road to Damascus one day, as Paul was traveling, he saw a vision of Christ himself. He saw this man from heaven. So Paul's answering the question, what will our glorified bodies look like? They'll look like the man that's coming from heaven. There's much controversy that exists about the nature of Christ pre-ascension body. Remember, Jesus rose, and for a while he was here before he ascended. Some of the controversy exists about whether you can take descriptions of the body of Christ between his resurrection and his, his ascension, and whether you can make application to us today. I personally believe that in some ways we can do that. In some ways, perhaps we could do that. And so if it does serve as an example for us. We know that Christ, those times, sometimes appeared without warning in miraculous ways. I was just reading in Luke 24 uh, this, this afternoon. He was with the two men on the road to Emmaus. He's describing them the Old Testament, and they asked him to stay. They cooked some food for him, and he was there, and then all of a sudden he just vanished. He just vanished, and they realized what was going on. There are times when he appears in a room 
It's locked. And he's there. I think we also know that his future body was such that God took him, ascended him directly to heaven. While much of uh, the nature of our future bodies is a mystery, I think in this text we can learn a few things. We can learn it will be the same but different. Our future glorified bodies will not be touched by sin or infirmities. They'll not be weak, but they'll be strong. As a church, I think we should look forward to the day when we will be able to enjoy Christ and to worship Him unfettered by the the constant reminders of sin and pain and death that lay inherent in our present physical bodies. I used to think as a small child, the best part of our future glorified bodies will be all the cool advantages in the transportation. I think the best part of our new powerful bodies will be the unfettered ability to worship and serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to enjoy him forever. Listen, I know that in, even in the past year and a half that I've been here, I've had some members go home to be with the Lord. May this be an encouragement to, you, to some of you who've lost loved ones. May it also be an encouragement to us. And may God give us the strength to actually believe this with deep confidence. So as we consider the future, we'll be able to agree with the words of that song Les just sang. One day I will rise. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. And with this new, glorified, powerful body, I'll be able to worship Christ forevermore, unfettered, unfettered by the shackles of my sin and the weaknesses of this physical body, including perhaps uh, bad voices. Uh, whatever physical ailment you go through now, one day we'll be able to sing with tongues of angels to glorify Christ forevermore. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the privilege of working through this text. I know it was just a survey. I know there's a lot more that could be said about these analogies and these illustrations. Thank you for what we do see in the scriptures about what our future glorified bodies will be like. And Lord, would you give us the grace not even to look at this, this through a selfish lens, to think about how cool it will be for us. But Lord, may we, may we recognize and, and realize and even know right now that the best part of these bodies will be the ability to worship you with new strength, new energy, new vitality, and to serve you in heaven forevermore. Lord, we thank you for these blessed promises. I pray that you would encourage members who have lost loved ones. May you encourage those who are going through great physical issues. Lord, I know we have some even, even now who are presently enduring great affliction of their physical body. Lord, would you give them a deep confidence in this doctrine that one day we will arise. We will rise. And we'll be able to sing your glories forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.